Hey, Husker fans, welcome to another episode of the Husker Big Red Podcast with Chris Peterson and Danny Gillette. As always, go Big Red. Good morning, Husker fans. Welcome back to the Husker Big Red YouTube channel. I'm Chris Peterson of HuskerBigRed.com. And with me again, as always, is my co-host, Danny Gillette of TheGreatCornholio.org. We were off a couple of days earlier this week, but we're back up for a few days um, away here from the Nebraska-Michigan game. We got um, some Nebraska basketball, you know, men's and women's tipping off, you know, this week. So a lot of exciting things happening here. Also some, uh, you know, recruiting, uh, you know, kind of rumblings out there with Cameron Lenhardt and some different things. So we'll cover all that stuff here. But uh, Danny, just looking, you know, at this Michigan game, Nebraska, you know, almost a four touchdown underdog. We don't know who's going to be the starting quarterback. It doesn't look like it's going to be Casey Thompson. Is there any hope at all this week that Nebraska is going to pull this off, pull off a miracle upset in Ann Arbor? I just hope nobody gets hurt and everybody has fun. That's uh, <laughs> that. Th- those are my keys to the game, if you will. If Casey Thompson can't play, this game is going to be a blowout and I will start to go on with my Saturday and maybe visit family and do something a little less stressful. So I don't think there's any shot that Nebraska upsets Michigan. I don't even think they had a shot if Casey Thompson was playing, but if he's not playing, that just adds more salt to the wound. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, it doesn't seem like a great matchup for Nebraska. You know, Michigan is dominant, you know, on the, you know, the line of scrimmage. They have the best running game in the big 10. They have the best rushing defense in the big 10. They lead the big 10 in sacks. Um, they're coming. But, you know, Rutgers did hang around with them for a half last week. Rutgers actually was the first team to lead Michigan at the half last week, 17-14. And then Michigan came out and won the game 52-17. So, I mean, they are a dominant team. And there is just some crazy stats about them. They haven't trailed in the fourth quarter of a game all season long. In fact, there's only been one opportunity in their nine games. There's only been one team, which was Maryland, that actually had the ball down by eight points within a single possession um, in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, that shows you how well Michigan has played. And so it definitely is going to be, you know, the biggest challenge that Nebraska has faced this year. I mean, this is like the talent level of Oklahoma with, you know, just pristine execution. And actually, I mean, this this program is a lot better than Oklahoma, you know, talent wise. But, you know, things do happen. I mean, in the crazy things do happen. Uh, I don't, you know, if Casey was playing, I do think Nebraska could cover the spread. And I, I still think they have a shot to do that. Um, 28 and a half points is a pretty big spread. And, you know, Michigan is a really good team, but I think we have seen some good signs the past couple of weeks, especially from the defense. I mean, I, you know, going into those last two games against Illinois and Minnesota, I know they, you know, fell apart in the second half and gave up 20 points, which wouldn't have happened if Chubba Purdy was, was on the bench where he should have been. Um, but, you know, they gave up 46 total points in two games and, Really, that's not that bad. I mean, an average of 23 points a game, uh, that's that's defense that you can win with. And if you consider that the offense was just terrible, I mean, they, I, I forget how many times they punted against Illinois, but six straight last week, you know, they had one first down and six possessions with Chubba Purdy. So why the hell is he still out there? And so that that's that's my biggest point. That's a whole other stream for another day. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. If Chubba starts on Saturday, I, I don't think they have any hope. If Smothers starts, I still don't think they have a hope of pulling off an upset, but I think they could uh, cover the spread for sure if, if uh, Smothers is out there. If Mickey has the balls to overrule Whipple, then I think we'll see Logan Smothers. If Whipple gets his way, which he probably will, let's be honest here, we're going to see Chubba Purdy again. And, you know, 
the defense, to your point, Chris, played well on Saturday against Mo Ibrahim and Minnesota for the first half. But by the second half, they look so gassed. And that's because partly their offensive drives were so quick. They were so quick. They refused, or I'm going to say Whipple refuses because Mickey has at least acknowledged it in the press conference to go slower on offense. I mean, it's something we've been talking about since September, and they still didn't do it. But anyway, if we have a repeat of, you know, six three and outs on Saturday with, you know, a quick offense and a tired defense, it could be a great day for Blake Corum and the Michigan running game. And uh, this this is not a good matchup for Nebraska. No, it's really not. You know, I mean, there's the one thing that, that Michigan has given up this year has been, you know, some deep pass plays, which would make you think, you know, Trey Palmer. But if Casey Thompson's not out there, it's going to be really tough. And I, I just think that I just don't I just don't see why in any world why you would start Chubba Purdy. And I think, to, honestly, the fact that Purdy has played the last two games, that's that's my biggest indictment of Mickey being the future head coach. Like if you can't control your staff, I mean, you sat Mickey sat there in the press conference and said, Basically, in the second quarter, he knew Chubba wasn't seeing the ball well. Why the hell is he out there then in the second quarter, the third quarter, and the fourth quarter? You lost the game because you can't play the right quarterback, because you can't tell Mark Whipple who to play. That's pathetic, frankly. It's pathetic, and Nebraska had a chance to win both of the last two games and blew it because Mark Whipple's a freaking moron, and Mickey Joseph apparently can't stand up to him. Yeah, and it was just tough to see last week. And um, you kind of, like, we were all watching on TV thinking, why isn't Logan Smothers out there? Why isn't, you know, why isn't he playing? Why is Trevor Purdy still out there? Well, I think we we found some information on some of the insider boards. I'm not going to say who we got it from or where we found it, but, you know, that our information kind of matched up and lined up, and it made sense. And I still don't know why Mickey let Whipple control him like that. You know, I don't know why, um, you know, he just didn't kind of stand up to him. But, you know, I mean, it kind of reaffirmed what I thought all along. Chubba was his guy and he wants to make Chubba work, but he just it just is not working at all. No, and I mean, I just I haven't seen anything to sit there and say that Chubba Purdy is a better passer than Logan Smothers. I mean, it's just, it's not there. He did not throw the ball well. And I mean, yet he did look better on the, on the first few drives and Whipple, I mean, to Whipple's credit, Nebraska has looked good on script all year. The first drive of the game has always been, I mean, against Oklahoma, they came out being bang, boom and scored. And then they couldn't do a thing after that. So, I mean, it's, it's not surprising that they came out and had success on their first couple of drives, but I mean, after that, they literally didn't do anything with. I mean, they, I think they got one first down and one turnover the rest of the game with Purdy at quarterback, and it just was, it was a huge disservice because the offensive line played really well, and uh, you know if they had Smothers in there and were actually you know incorporating some of the quarterback run stuff. I mean, Anthony Grant could have had a really big day. He had 21 carries, he averaged 5.5 yards a carry, and Mo Ibrahim averaged four. And guess who got 32 carries? Not Anthony Grant. Why we stopped going to Anthony Grant? I don't I, know because I think he had. Some something like 87 yards in the first half. Um, yeah. And so, I don't know, it just, you know, and we have heard this mentioned in some of the chats that we're in. When we were excited about Mark Whipple, Pittsburgh fans, and quite honestly, Pat Narduzzi. Yeah, Pat Narduzzi. Said, <laughs> he was right. <laughs> said, you know, I'm kind of, you know, just paraphrasing here, I'm kind of glad 
Mark Whipple's gone because we can't run the football, very one-dimensional offense. Well, lo and behold, we're finding it. We're yeah. finding that out, and we're finding it to be very frustrating. And, you know, he's so polarizing because while the offense has scored points, some of his play calls is just mind-boggling. And, you know, people will say, oh, he's the best you know, offensive coordinator. We're scoring points. and But the bar's not really set that high, honestly. The bar's not really set that high. I mean, we had Matt Lubick last year. And so the bar is set pretty low there as far as good offensive coordinators. I liked Whipple at the beginning, and I thought, you know, the success of Grant would really make him run the ball a little bit more. But he's just stubborn when it comes to his ways and stubborn when it comes to not running the football. Yeah, and it uh, – yeah, it just – I kept thinking, you know, with Grant doing these, I'm like, man, if you had some read option in here and some quarterback run, it just – that that's really what I feel like Nebraska has got to do in this game. That's why I don't understand why Mickey wasn't like, we're starting Logan, that's it. I mean, make the make the decision, Mickey. I'm really sick of this. Like, and I don't buy that. Oh, New Michigan. It Michigan. It doesn't not matter that Michigan doesn't know who the starting quarterback is. That doesn't matter at all. People who want to say that, oh, it gives gives Michigan an advantage if they don't know. Bullshit. That gives them zero. Nebraska has zero advantage with the Chuba Purdy in any way, shape, or form. And Logan's. It's like it's not like it's a they're reinventing the wheel. Michigan has seen Logan Smothers play before, so it's not you're not gaining a competitive advantage by not naming a starter one way or the other. He should have came out and said, Mark, I'm the head coach. We're starting Smothers. If you don't like it, if you don't want to call plays, you can quit. I will fire you right now. I don't care. That's what he needs to do. And I'm disappointed he didn't do that. And Frank, like I said, it's just, to me, it was coaching malpractice. The last two weeks have been coaching malpractice because they were two winnable games. Last week was a very, very winnable game if Nebraska plays Logan Smothers at quarterback. And I think those last couple of drives showed that. But at the same time, I you know I don't know. There's a lot of there's there's still some traction for you know Mickey to be the head coach, and I'm not totally dead set against it. I mean, if everybody else kind of says no, but well, I just have it's seen some... like a lot of people are saying no. You see the lists, like the you know lists that reporters are putting out, and I'd rather have Mickey with some of those crappy lists. I don't want to get us demonetized for whatever reason, but you know I I, I if if those lists are what we get, I'm perfectly fine with Mickey as head coach. I don't think we're going to land a Kiffin or you know a Dave Aranda even at this point. I'm not really hearing his name, but I'm not happy with any of those lists. The, the, those lists are gross. Like, give me Mickey. Don't give me those guys. Bill O'Brien? No way. See you later. You know, like ugh, I don't know, but I will say to your Whipple point, um one of the things that I do buy is when Mark Whipple was hired, and this is something I've heard throughout the week, Whipple's offensive style was brought into, um, what's the word I want to use, kind of a company, Scott Frost, you know, quarterback option style of play calling. Once Frost is gone, Whipple has full control and all of that complimentary football goes out the window. That's something I do buy because we saw it a little bit. Um, I think it was uh, against George Southern. But now that Whipple has, you know, the full keys to the castle offensively, you know, that sort of balance once Scott was fired was gone. Yeah, and I mean, and it's been hard, I guess, to run the ball too. But I just – I don't think that Whipple is a very good offensive coordinator, not only with his – 
lack of running the ball, but the protection schemes have been bad all year. You know, he's he knows he has a poor offensive line, and he's basically putting him out there in zero protection just constantly. So, I mean, there, there's been a lot of uh, things with – that's the one thing is no matter who is the head coach, Mark Whipple needs to be fired the day after the Iowa game because he has been a cancer for this program. He has not brought a single positive thing. And, you know, frankly, it sounds – I mean, I have no legitimate – you know, sources or anything that have said that. But, I mean, it sounds like he's been insubordinate with Mickey. And you you can see, I mean, you know, even Mickey on, um, I think, what was it, Tuesday or whenever he did his press conference was talking about, you know, we need to get be satisfied getting three, four yards. And then Whipple comes up there the next day and they, the media asks him about it. Well, all I care about is scoring points. Dude, you scored 10 fucking points last week, okay? Like the last two games, you scored 22 fucking points because you don't know what you're doing. So maybe you should actually try to, you know, hand the ball off to Anthony Grant or Logan Smith. Like, you're not scoring points. I don't know what you're thinking. Like, yeah, I, yeah, you need points to win a game. In your three out of your last four games, you haven't scored over 13. So what are you doing? Like, I just don't get it. Lack of ball control offensively, too. That's been one of my biggest problems. The defense is so exhausted. And I know people will say, oh, well, that's their job. They got to be out on the field. Not for 82 points. Shit. I mean, 82 points, 82 plays. I mean, yep. come on. Like, you can't expect your defense to be well-rested and ready to go every single play. If you're playing 102 plays, like against Purdue, 82 plays was a random number. But, you know, I bet you we've been pretty close to it a lot of these games. So, you know, it's just uh, well. Know. And last week, I mean, Nebraska had the lead for most of the game, but the two the time of possession was still almost two to one. So it's like that and makes no sense to me. And that helped Mo Ibrahim and Minnesota establish their dominance in the second half of the game. And you know, the good teams figure out how to win, and good teams figure out how to close in the fourth quarter. And Minnesota just did it with Mo Ibrahim, and they knew they could because that Nebraska defense was exhausted. Yeah, we all, you know, it was awesome when Ty Robinson knocked out Tanner Morgan, but maybe he shouldn't have, maybe he shouldn't have hit him so hard. I was thinking the exact same thing. (laughs) I was thinking the exact same thing because their backup quarterback is actually pretty good. And, and, but see, that shows, I mean, because he has been bad this year, but that's coaching, you know, it's just the offensive coaching has not been good this year, you know, and that's, that's from Whipple basically on down. Do you think we see the Minnesota quarterback in the opener next year? The one that we saw on Saturday, the backup? Um, yeah, I mean, probably I would think so. They have, you know, it depends. I mean, I could see them maybe trying to look at the transfer portal too. You know, it's it's interesting. It's it's hard to say, you know, who's going to be going with what. But, yeah, it wouldn't shock me. You know, I know they, they landed, um, you know, like a three-star quarterback this year. So there's not a lot of, you know, super, you know, great talent. Minnesota's a lot about developing players, but they do a pretty good job of it. You know, they're well-coached and – you know, they have a lot of the same issues that Nebraska has in terms of, I mean, Nebraska's out-recruited. I mean, I'm not just not looking at the rankings or anything, but rankings-wise, Nebraska's always out-recruited Minnesota, but, you know. Minnesota's Nebraska, developed. Yeah, Nebraska, or Minnesota has a head coach, which Nebraska, you know, doesn't. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, I know a lot of the lists um, haven't been great. You know, like Matt Rule is on there. Um, you know, I don't know. People keep talking about Stoops and you know, people saying he's on the list and not on the list. Um, you know, the guy from NC State. I don't know how to pronounce his last Dave name. Doreen or Doreen. Doreen. Yeah. Dave Doreen, yeah. Um, and then uh, Lance Lance Leipold. I still I mean, I still think there's gotta be a chance at Lance Leipold. I mean, I feel like Nebraska is a way better job than Kansas. I don't care how many games because here's the thing about Kansas. No matter what you do, 
no matter what he does with that football program, it's always going to be number two. It's never going to be basketball 1A, football 1B. It's basketball is number one in Kansas. It will always be number one in Kansas. It will always get all the resources. And football, it's like at Kentucky. It's never going to be – it's never going to even be 1A, 1B, you know, like at other schools. It's going to be like Nebraska is um, a basketball at Nebraska. It's just never going to be the same as football. And so I think – you know, you. I really feel like there's a chance to get Lance Leopold. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to go to Wisconsin. I think Jim Leonard's probably going to be the head coach there. So Leonard's done you know. a good job in his interim time, hasn't he? He has. I mean, it's just you know getting back to basics, and I think part of it too. I mean, with with the whole Paul Chris thing, I think part of it is they didn't want to lose Jim Leonard, so I think they kind of took the opportunity to have a, a sluggish start and uh, just got rid of him, and then they kind of got back to you know what their formula is and. You know, Braylon Allen running the football and, and playing good defense. And that, that's the thing is they have a formula, you know, for success. Nebraska, it just seems like they're trying to throw stuff at the wall and hope that it sticks. There hasn't been an identity. At least when Bo Pelini was around, there was an identity. And it kind of fell apart, you know, during the latter stages of his, you know, after they transitioned from the Big 12 to the Big 10. But at least there was some kind of identity. You knew they were going to run the football. You knew they were going to try to, you know, play their defense. And with Nebraska, they just don't have an identity right now. Um and so we'll see. I mean, I, I, uh, I feel like that there's better candidates than Mickey Joseph. I mean, I want Mickey on staff, but I feel like Matt Rule would be a great hire. I know a lot of people want to say, "Oh, he's just another Mike Riley," but I don't, I don't think that that's true at all. I think that that's totally disregarding his resume at Baylor and at Temple. And uh, I mean, people talk about offensive linemen and how bad our offensive line sucks. Okay, Matt Rule coached offensive line in the NFL, people. Like, have you looked at the damn resume? The guy knows what he's doing, and I feel like he could help us at a really important position, and he could build a really good staff. You know, I mean, it, I mean, who's to say he couldn't bring in, like, a Joe Brady to be the offensive coordinator? Um, so, I mean, I really like – I like Whipple. I like Leopold. I mean, I like Mickey Joseph. I like what he can do as a recruiter, but, you know, his coaching – his in-game, his in-game coaching and his managing of staff and personnel has not impressed me at all. Yeah, and I think I don't think Rule would be bad at all. I think uh, you know he has those Texas ties that we talked about with Dave Aranda, and so that could definitely help in terms of recruiting. You know, uh, Rule has you know experience in you know the Big Twelve with those. Texas programs. He has experience building a program. Like you said, he has experience with the offensive line. And so I don't think he would be bad at all. Um, but, you know, a lot of these names I'm very underwhelmed by. And I'm worried that we're going to hire somebody that's not going to be able to make a splash. And that's a safe hire, not one that'll take the program to the next level. You know, maybe it's somebody we haven't heard. Maybe, you know, they're putting out all these names to kind of throw the media off the track in terms of the coaching surge. But I just have a feeling that we're going to be very underwhelmed. We'll see. I mean, it's uh, like, you know, nobody knew that LSU was going to hire Brian Kelly until it happened or, you know, Lincoln Riley to USC until it happened. So, I mean, we just, you know, same thing with Miami. I mean, after – you know, last season they thought they were going to have Manny Diaz when maybe they want him back because Mario Cristobal is uh, kind of falling on his face there. So that goes to show you that, you know, it's not always uh, 
candy and roses, no matter who, who you hire. I mean, uh, you know, Miami hired, uh, you know, Cristobal, and then they got Josh Gaddis from Michigan. And basically every person who followed Michigan was like, go for it, take him, who cares? That was Jim Harbaugh's offense, and it was true. I mean, Josh Gaddis is not an elite offensive coordinator, and uh, so it's, it's just – it's interesting how things – work out he was the Broyles award winner but uh, it was because he was running Jim Harbaugh's offense not his and I think you can see the results of that now in Miami so I mean just because it's a big name doesn't necessarily mean that you know it is going to work out but yeah it's hard to to follow through all the you know all the tea leaves right now I mean Lars Anderson came out yesterday and said that he thought it was going to be Mickey and I just to me it doesn't I don't understand the timing of it with Mickey like if you were going to make Mickey the head coach why wouldn't you have done it earlier? I, I just don't. I mean, they're right now they're looking at what a five game losing streak to end the season. I mean, it's like that's that's going to really hit with a thud. No matter who you, else you hire as a head coach, I feel like you know if you lose your. I mean, maybe they'll beat Wisconsin or Iowa or something. But if you lose your last five games, if Mickey's sitting there two and seven as the head coach, that's not a very exciting hire. No, but, you know, Mickey can at least get players in to build and kind of recruit, and that's what we need as well. So I could see both sides of the coin. Um, you know, um, it's just very evident that this program is far off from where it needs to be. I mean, Saturday, again, exposed that, um, you know, especially in terms of, you know, quarterback development, something we've always struggled with. I remember we talked at the beginning of August and we were excited about having guys like, you know, Chubba Purdy in the room. And we said that maybe this year is the year that it turns around in that regard. And it just hasn't. So, you know, I mean, it just goes to show, I mean, college football is a very interesting game. Things work that you don't expect to work. And, you know, things also, you know, you expect them to work and they don't work. So, it's just very finicky. Yeah, and I I mean, I I uh, take your point. I also think that, you know, if this team was coached a little bit better, I mean, they had a chance to win the Purdue game. They had a chance against Illinois if they don't play Chepa Purdy and Minnesota. I mean, frankly, they could have won the last three games and they could have won the Big Ten West if they were coached better. And I'm, and I'm not seeing player development-wise, but just in-game. Like, if they play Logan Smothers, they have a shot against Illinois. And they have a shot last week. Like, they, the fact that they played their basically the third-best quarterback against Minnesota and they still had a chance on the last drive, I think that that shows that this team and this program isn't as far off as – you know, some people want to say it's just I mean, you you have to get competent people. And Mark Whipple is not one of those guys. And, you know, I know Mickey can recruit, but I just I have a lot of questions about him as a head coach. I really do. And I just feel like that he would be better as, you know, the associate head coach, wide receivers coach. You know what I mean? That's that's just what I mean. I'll support him if he's the head coach and maybe he'll show me something here in the, these last you know three weeks. But right now. And I mean, he, I mean, he just looks like he's in over his head. I mean, frankly, he just looks like he's in over his head. Yeah. I, I would be interested to see what he would do with his own staff hypothetically, but we'll have to see how it all plays out. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of things even out of Mickey's control that need to be addressed within the program and it can't all be fixed in one off season, but you know, there, is, there are opportunities to at least, you know, clear some of the shit out, so to speak. Because, I mean, I was thinking this earlier, but I doubt Bill O'Brien throws that crap-ass uh, Chubba Purdy out there. <laughs> no, because he doesn't have crap-ass Chubba Purdy. He has <laughs> Tua Tagovailoa, Jalen Hurts, and 
you know, in in Alabama version of Mac Jones. He doesn't need to. He has the keys to the castle. No wonder yeah, Bill but Bryant. he's all he's also developed. Matt, you got to give him credit for Mac Jones, though. You have to give him credit for developing players. Yeah, you know, I mean, I Chubba, mean Chubba Purdy was a top two hundred recruit, and he looks like he should have never been ranked. You know, after coming to Nebraska, so. I mean, I don't know. Bill O'Brien had basically the pick of the litter in terms of who he can work with, and Nick Saban does all the work pretty much over there. And you know, it's pretty easy when you can just take recruits to your house and show them your trophy case and your yacht and all 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 these things. So credit to them. But I mean, I don't know. I I still have my reservations about Bill O'Brien, and uh, if he, I mean, I uh, I have I have reservations about him as a recruiter, but just in terms of a X's and O's football coach, he's way better than Mickey Joseph. Hell of a lot better than Mickey Joseph. Is he going to move the needle? No. Yeah, I mean, but. Uh, I'm not really worried needs. about that. I just want somebody who knows football and uh, can tell his offensive coordinator. I mean, with the, the fact that Mickey Joseph was sitting out there saying, I knew that Chuba couldn't see the field in the second quarter, and yet you still played him for most of the game. Why? I mean, I, that to me was – and the, I mean, it's, it's just stuff like that. Like, I feel like when I'm watching Mickey Joseph, it's like I'm watching Dan Campbell of the Lions go up there after every game and say, oh, I shouldn't have done this. Shouldn't, Dude, you're paid a lot of money to know when to do things before they happen, not after. So, I mean, maybe Mickey will get better, and I know this program isn't great, but, I mean, they, they had chances to win each of the last three games, and they didn't, and he has to take responsibility for that. I agree, but, I mean, I'm just saying that I don't think – a guy like Bill O'Brien can take the program to the next level, and that's what we need. I mean, aside from just this Mickey stuff, I have I have you know my doubts as to you know if he can do that. And Nebraska doesn't have time to waste in terms of trying to get the football program good again. You know, it needs to start winning because you know with the basketball team one and zero, maybe this can become a basketball school. <laughs> no, it will never. Even if they make, like I said, uh, it's, it's just like it's it's like Kansas in reverse. Even if the basketball team is like making the Final Four, still be a football school. Honestly, this still is still be a football school, school now, right now. But yeah, got the number one class again. So got to yeah. beat Wisconsin, though, man. John Cook's got to figure out how to beat Wisconsin, but we'll see. I feel good about it, though. They, they'll do. They'll they'll figure it out. I mean, the championship games in Omaha this year, so. If, it, if it's not if it's not destined to happen this year, I mean, it's not like they're not going to have a chance next year. They have like a loaded freaking roster. But yeah, no, they always do. They recruit well, and uh, you know, and I don't know if you were able to watch the basketball game on what was it Tuesday or Monday? Um, yeah, yeah Monday. Yep. But uh, there is some talent there in comparison to other years. I think you know this is Fred Hoiberg's like 16th roster in his tenure, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 hoping this one can stick a little bit, but uh, no, there is uh, some talent there, particularly uh, Casey Tominaga. Um, you know, I think he showed, and I saw the highlights in the box score, but from what I you know saw and read, you know, this was the Casey Tominaga that you know we thought we were going to get last year, and his ability to hit three pointers um, is something that I think is going to translate very well if he can keep it up. Yeah, he had a really great summer, you know, playing um, for the international team for Japan. And uh, I mean, he shot the ball pretty well last year. He made over like 33 pointers. But yeah, it was really great to see him come off the bench and kind of light it up. And that's, you know, what Nebraska, you know, needs him to be kind of, the, you know, one of those uh, sixth man 
type of roles. And, uh, you know, I liked a lot of what I saw from Nebraska. I'm worried about the de- the defense wasn't very good. Um, Maine is not a very good offensive team. And, uh, you know, they shot well over 40%. They shot like 45 or 46% from three-point range. So, I mean, there's definitely some issues there. And, you know, it's just going to take time. But, you know, defense has been an issue under Fred Hoiberg. Scoring the basketball hasn't necessarily been a problem. So that's where, you know, they need to improve. And I, I definitely think that, you know, missing out on Derek Walker, you know, has been part of that. I mean, they basically got no production from the center position the other night. There was, I think, three field goal attempts between, you know, the two starters. Um, I think Nebraska blocked one shot in the entire game. So, I mean, they definitely, I don't know what's going on with Derek Walker. They keep saying it's day to day. And then Fred Holmberg is saying that Derek's going to talk about it when he's ready. So I don't know what the hell is going on, but if this team is going to have a chance of uh, like being in, 500 team or like in the NIT or anything, I really think they're going to need Derek Walker because there was a lot of nice pieces around there, but they didn't have that low post presence to kind of run the offense through. And, you know, while, while you can get away with that against Maine, I think when you get into big 10 play, it's going to be a lot tougher. You're going to need some of those easy high percentage baskets. And, and then the other thing is once you are getting some scoring inside, then it can open things up for, you know, the outside shooters, Wilcher and Tomin, you know, Tominaga and some of those guys. Yeah, and I mean, you saw some of the um, new additions make quite the impact. You know, Sam Greisel had 22 points, Juan Gary had 14, and, you know, even Willem Bredenbach had nine points. And so it was really good to see kind of some of the guys that we've tried, we've been relying on uh, play well on, um, play well the other night. And so, I think that definitely bodes well in terms of depth because you're going to need depth when you get to Big Ten play. And, you know, we'll see We'll see what happens. I won't see what happens because I don't have Big Ten Plus. But, you know, that's what I hate about these early games. They're all on Big Ten Plus. There's something I don't have. So I'll, I'll, I'll have to figure out a way to watch it. You say listen on the radio, but, I mean – you know, I I um I'm a little bit younger than you, so I don't have the patience to listen on the radio. I'll I'll, I'll uh, watch my TV instead or something. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is kind of annoying how the Big Ten Network is has uh you know done this. You can sign up for the Nebraska team only package for like ten bucks, and you can watch any Nebraska game. But still, kind of annoying that you know you already paid for the Big Ten Network and you aren't able to you know watch the game. So it's like yeah, we'll see. I mean. I don't, I don't know how many games they're going to have on there during the regular season, so I don't know. It's probably they have quite be... a few. They have quite a few. Um, in my past experience of other years, like they they had basically every Nebraska basketball game on the Big Ten Network, and they also it was the Big Ten Network and then FS1 a lot of the time. So I was able to which... see pretty much all season, which I kind of regretted when I was watching. But you know, it's nice to have the options. <laughs> See, I hope that's the case this year. I know they're putting more on the the BTN Plus. Everybody's trying to get their streaming packages out there, and it's it's just kind of annoying, but it is what it that's, is. That's how they're getting you. They're getting you on streaming. You want to cut down on cable, and then but then they say, oh, let's watch Nebraska football on this, and you yeah. pay 20 bucks. Then you can watch yeah. Nebraska basketball on this, and then play that much. Then you watch the Nebraska knitting team, and then you pay another 5 bucks. It's like, okay. Like all set, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So tonight they're taking on um, Omaha, and uh, Omaha played. They lost to Kansas, I think, by twenty four points the other night. Um, kind of an interesting roster. Not a lot of Nebraska players, but there's not a single senior on there, so it's kind of a you know 
kind of a lower end program. Um, they, I think they won like five or six games last year. So suffice to say, Nebraska should, you know, be able to win this matchup tonight. I haven't. Um, I'll have a preview up later today on huskerbigred.com where I'll get a little more into it. I haven't looked into Omaha, you know, a ton yet, but you know, I feel like this game is more about, you know, Nebraska and their execution, but I really liked, you know, Sam Greisel and his performance the other night. I'd like to see his assist numbers get up just a little bit more. And I'd like to see CJ Wilcher kind of get going. He really hasn't shot the ball that well this year. And Nebraska hasn't really shot the ball that well from three point range. So, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, today, but, uh, you know, it should be a, a pretty easy win for, you know, the men's team. The women's team dominated Omaha the other day. They scored over 100 points. So, you know, the women's team, you know, they're they're ranked in the top 25. So, you know, let's let's make sure that we give them some love because, uh, you know, they're, they're looking like they're probably going to go back to uh, the women's version of March Madness. Yeah, and that's a very well-developed program. They have a, a solid system and, you know, they have figured out what works and they have stability, all things that the men's program doesn't have right now. And so, and that's kind of the interesting kind of uh, paradox with Nebraska, right? All the women's programs are doing very, very well and the men's programs just struggle. And so I don't know. We'll see. uh, We'll see how the basketball team does on the men's side, the women's side, it should be very exciting to watch, but the men's, you know, we'll have to see. And, if they can get to two and zero tonight, meaning um, Thursday night, then um, you know that's a good that's a good starting point because you know you try to pick up as many wins as you can um, before Big Ten play hits, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the schedule here, so you got Omaha tonight, and then next Thursday we'll get kind of the first. Big test as Nebraska will play its first Power Five opponent as they'll take on uh, St. John's, you know, and that there's kind of that uh, Big Ten. I forget what they call it, but it's the Big Ten kind of Big East, um, the Gavit Games. That's what they call it, the Gavit Games. So that'll be at St. John's next week. That's going to be a tough matchup. Then Arkansas Pine Bluff, and then you've got the um, Invitational with uh, Oklahoma. So that's going to be, you know, for Thanksgiving, I think it actually on Thanksgiving day, Nebraska plays Oklahoma, which will be kind of interesting since they used to play Oklahoma the day after Thanksgiving on uh, in football every year. So those, those few games, you know, that Oklahoma game, St. John's, and then they'll play, you know, either Memphis or Seton Hall or somebody. It's kind of a, you know, one of those preseason tournaments. So I think we'll find out a lot about this team, you know, in the next five games or so I would fully expect them to win tonight. But uh, next week on the road against St. John's, that'll that'll give us a real test of uh, where this program is at this season. And, you know, if they can, you know, try to make a run at a postseason berth, which is I think that's the goal this year. I mean, uh, you know, it's going to be difficult to do that. And I think Fred needs to show improvement. I don't think he necessarily needs to make like the NIT to keep his job, but he's definitely got to win more than like four or five Big Ten games. That's not going to cut it. Yeah, you mentioned that schedule. Even Memphis was a. uh made uh, March Madness last year. I remember watching them. Uh, Penny Hardaway did a, has done a great job over there with that program. And, you know, it's not going to be easy, but, um, you know, I think I just wish that this roster would be able to have more continuity. Hopefully, you know, there's a little bit more continuity this year heading into next year. And so the problem with recruiting good players like, you know, the McGowans or, you know, even when he was here, Cam Mack, you know, those type of players is that they're good players, but they don't often stay with the program for for three or four years, which good for them. I mean, for the McGowans, I think they 
both of them went to the NBA or are signed with NBA uh, teams. So, but that doesn't really help in terms of roster development. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I feel like I've said that seven times about the Nebraska basketball program today, but we really will see because we don't know how this team is going to, you know, pan out. I think, I think it's a more balanced roster and a more um, experienced roster than in other years. So hopefully that will work in their favor. Yeah. I mean, you, uh, you know, Greasel's I think is a really solid player. Um, Gary is interesting in that he didn't start, you know, in the exhibition games, but started against um, Maine, you know, and I think partially that's because Derek Walker is out, you know, so I'm not, I'm not really sure what his role is going to be, you know, if it's going to be, you know, Greasel, Gary, Wilch, I, I'm just not exactly, you know, that's kind of what I think would probably be the best, you know, lineup. But then, um, you know, if you're looking at the the starters, you know, one of these guys is going to have to go, you know, probably to the bench. I mean, if, if uh, I would think know, Gary's probably. Yeah, that's, you know, I'm not sure because they didn't start Wil- Wilhelm uh, like they did in the exhibition game. So, I mean, I think probably the best lineup would be Greasel. Oh, uh, Wilcher, um, you know, Emmanuel Walker. And then I think Gary is your fifth guy. And then just hmm. uh, roll with everybody, you know, because I think Gary would be solid at the four. I just don't know that Nebraska has anybody else that's going to be able to guard. You know, I know Wilhelm can play the four, but he, yeah. there, there's a lot of fours in the Big Ten that are just going to absolutely blow by him because there's a lot of those guys that are like, that are like Juwan. I mean, Juwan Gary's kind of, um, more of what a four man is anymore because it's not like you see a lot of six eight six nine guys you know there there are some but a lot of them are like the six seven six six combo forwards and you know that that's kind of where the the defensive side you know becomes an issue for Wilhelm yeah no I mean and it's good to have options to play with right it really is uh but well uh, but I really like Gary and I really like Greasel I think you know Greasel talked about in March um you know when he first came into the program about trying to get other teammates involved and, you know, being a high-efficiency type of player. And that's exactly what Nebraska basketball needs. And so I'm really excited to see how this program sort of gels and develops. And I do think, you know, there's a lot more of – how do I want to put this? Team players in the sense that they just don't try to go isolation and then, you know, dribble 75 times and try to score – but that they tried to, you know, move the basketball a little bit better. And granted, I still saw some isolation plays against Maine, but, you know, I think those will get fixed with time. Yeah, I think all the pieces fit together really well. And once Derek Walker, if he's able to come back and be the player he has been the past couple of years, I think this offense is going to be really good. So we'll see, you know, how that's working out. Um, and, you know, we, we also said, uh, we'll, we'll segue here, but make sure Nebraska, they're watching tonight. They're, they're playing Omaha tonight at five, um, central, or actually six central time. Sorry. I'm talking about mountain time, but, uh, I did want to touch on some recruiting stuff going on. Cause there's been some interesting, uh, recruiting talk and, uh, starting with Cameron Leonard, you know, who, uh, posted on his Instagram, a go big red the other day. And, uh, it kind of got me wondering hmm. what's what's going on. I looked into his recruitment and basically nothing has happened since he's decommitted with Nebraska. He hasn't. Now, this is this is according to uh, on three and 24 seven. So, I mean, maybe I'm missing some information. I'm not sure, but there hasn't been a single offer, a new offer gone out. He hasn't taken a visit anywhere. I mean, no, no other team on 24 seven sports is even listed as warm in terms of like actively recruiting him. So I don't know if it's a situation where, 
you know, he decommitted from Nebraska and didn't get as much interest. And, and the fact is right now we're a month away from signing day. And some of these programs are already going to be filled up in terms of scholarships, because for one thing, you know, teams aren't signing the 25 player class anymore because they know they need spots for the transfer portal. So I'm just, it's hard for me to believe that a, a top 300 player couldn't find a spot, but you know, maybe some of these other programs don't really view him that well. I mean, he is rated as just a three star by 24 seven sports. So I don't know, but the, the go big, the go big red thing was kind of struck me as odd. And, you know, I, maybe Nebraska still has a chance here. I don't see, it doesn't seem like there's any other logical destination right now for him. Now that Frost has gone and the communications a little bit better, I do think that uh, they probably do have a chance with him now. Um, but, but um, you know, I think, I think, you know, adding him to the program, I mean, you know, just looking at his highlights, I, he is a very good pass rusher. I, I mean, I know, um, I know Nebraska has been really trying to recruit pass rushers and who knows if he's been in contact with Mickey Joseph or whatever, but I would definitely like him back in the program. I thought he was, uh, you know, a pretty sizable loss when, you know, he decommitted, but like, but like you said, one of the things that kind of worries me is that he really hasn't gotten any interest from other programs. Is there something going on that we don't know about? Is it just, you know, the fact that he's told programs, no, I'm just waiting to see what Nebraska's play on this is, you know. But I would like to have him back in the class. That would be another big addition. Re-addition. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Nebraska doesn't have a, t- a ton of four-star guys, so it would be nice to get him back. And, you know, I know that uh, – so like Michigan State, Florida State, and Penn State were some of the ones he was interested in. Well, I know Florida State has taken a bunch of edge rushers. I'm not. I know Michigan State has some has like a top 100 edge rusher. Um, I can't. I can't say with. I know Penn State's taken some too. I don't know. I don't know the recruiting well enough to say. Well, well, Penn State's only taking three edge rushers like this cycle. I think one thing with Lenhart that throws some people off as he's a bit of a tweener. He's not really like when you look at him. He's not really an edge. You know, like an edge. You know, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like he's, mm. he's uh, more, I think more of a traditional sort of, yeah. Well, I mean, if you watch it, you know, I watch his highlights cause I wanted to make sure he wasn't hurt or anything from this season. And, you know, they, they line him up almost as a three technique quite they a do. bit. Yeah. And so I, you know, I think he's more of a, like a traditional defensive end, more of a four, three defense, but he's not really, he's not big enough to be like a five technique in a three, four system. Cause you gotta be like, you have to be about six four two eighty for that. I mean, ideally, at least, but you at least have to be in the two eighty range because you're taking on a lot of double teams. So I think maybe that's a bit of an issue, but I don't care, frankly. I mean, I think the guy can rush the passer, and whether he's in, whether he's rushing it on the edge or whether you bump him in, whether you just bring him in on third downs as a defensive tackle to push the pocket inside. When is the last time Nebraska had an interior pass rusher that was worth? A shit, honestly. I can't remember. I can't I mean, remember. It's been a – I can't think of a single – I mean, okay, there there have been some, you know, during the, you know, Stilly, some of those guys, but there hasn't been like a consistent one. So, I mean, I, I just feel like Nebraska needs pass rushers, and even though he may not fit perfectly, he may be a, a square peg in a round hole, I think he would be a nice addition to this class. So, I'll be interested to see what, what happens there. And uh, another thing that was interesting, um, that's at least on my radar, was the offer – to uh, quarterback JT Fayard last week, who's unranked in the 2023 class. And then after that happened, um, Parker Thune, Oklahoma reporter for 24-7, put in a crystal ball projection for him to Nebraska, and that kind of caused a, a lot of waves. And, you know, people have now uh, said that it's been reported, like Brian Munson is saying that it's uh, they didn't 
give him a committable offer because a lot of people were, you know, kind of interpreting that as maybe a bad sign for, you know, William Watson. So I don't know. What do you make? A, what do you make of that whole situation with the quarterback? It's very interesting because, you know, I think if Whipple leaves the program, then I think Watson probably goes. Um, and so if Watson goes, then, you know, then that opens up a spot positionally for failure. And I don't know. I think, I, I think there is some uh, smoke there, especially with the crystal ball, like you mentioned. Um, but I think a lot of it hinges on what Whipple does after this season and let me say this, what we want him to do versus what actually happens are two completely different things. I wouldn't be upset if he moved on, but is he going to? We don't know that yet. We can't really say anything definitive yet, but I do think it's interesting. Um, you know, I kind of like the idea of Nebraska offering kind of this diamond in the rough quarterback before he may or may not blow up versus – offering a quarterback after he's already blown up and we're late to the party. I mean, that's a change from the Frost regime. So, I mean, I kind of like that in my opinion. And, you know, we'll see what happens. I think a lot of it just hinges on if, if Whipple stays or goes. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, people say it's like uh, just Mickey doing the guy a favor. I don't know about maybe that played into it, but I feel like, I mean, I watched his tape. He's not a perfect prospect. He is probably thrown too many interceptions and hasn't thrown for a ton of yards, but he's got some skill. He's got some accuracies, some traits that are worth developing. So I think it could be, it wouldn't be terrible for Nebraska to take two quarterbacks in this class is my opinion, but you know, it could also be like you said, an insurance policy. If, if Watson does, you know, leave the class and, you know, then they can get a different developmental, you know, arm in there. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. Nebraska is also, you know, putting out a lot of 2024 offers, but it's really, I feel like, Things are really kind of on hold until you make that head coaching decision. Um, it, part of it with 2023 guys is, like I said, there's only so many, there's only so many places to go. There's only so many scholarships. So I think, you know, you're you're gonna see some of these 2023 kids commit because it is Nebraska and because of Mickey. But I wouldn't read much into it. I don't think it's. I don't. I don't think that that necessarily means he's the head coach or going to be the head coach or anything. I just. I think, I mean, I think that's part of it. He's going to be on staff though. Yeah, I think he's telling them he's going to be on staff, which, you know, I, it just depends on who the next. I mean, the, the nothing's guaranteed with Mickey, and it doesn't matter who, you know, whoever the next head coach is, that's going to be his decision. And Trev cannot be like, hey, you can come here. You have to keep Mickey. Nobody yeah. is going to take the job if that's the case. You cannot tell your head coaches who to hire. You can't say, you know, you can have this job, but you have to keep Mickey Joseph. I mean, you can say, hey, I would like you to strongly consider it for this reasons, but you cannot handcuff a head coach like that. And and that'll be if Trev Alberts does that, nobody's going to take that job. I guarantee it. Nobody yeah. worth it. Nobody. No big names anyway. Another thing, too, is Mickey could be setting up, say he does leave, for instance. He has all these kids that may or may not want to come with him. I mean, no matter yeah. where he goes. So I could see it being not only for Nebraska, but for if there is a next stop for him. And so I think it's smart on Mickey's part either way. Truthfully, to be honest with you, that's what I would do. Well, and I mean, Mickey, he, you know, his contract says he's going to be here and he should recruit like he's going to be there. I mean, he's doing the job right now. You know, I oh, mean, yeah. that's just what you do. If you're at a job, you give it 110%. I mean, that's, 
you know, that that's how everybody should be. And, you know, my, I don't think Mark Whipple's really doing that, but you know, that's, that's a different story. So <laughs> anyways, so now that we've touched on some recruiting, we, we talked, we obviously didn't say there was much of a chance for Nebraska to pull the offset, but let's go with our final predictions here against the spread right now, since we don't have a quarterback named, um, and I don't, I don't think it's going to be Casey Thompson. So, but uh, the spread is 28 and a half points. So Danny, what is your final prediction, Nebraska and Michigan? Michigan 42, Nebraska 13. 42. So you, oh, you just got them outside the spread range, 29 points. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's, all that I know is I'm going to be shutting this off at, probably by the end of the first half, if not the first quarter, and then going out for a nice big drink. And I suggest you all do the same to lower your blood pressures. Not condoning drinking, but, you know, it may help. I do feel like that uh, – I feel like Nebraska is going to be more competitive in this game than people think, especially in the first half. Um, you know, Michigan is a really great team, and they're a really great offensive one. But I do feel like Nebraska has been competitive in the trenches the last two weeks. If they play some others, you know, Michigan at times has had – you know, trouble with those kind of running quarterbacks. And I do think that Trey Palmer could get deep against the secondary. But, yeah, I do think it's going to be really hard to sustain for four quarters. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go um, 41 to 13 is going to be my – so I have really close to the same thing, but I'm going to say Nebraska covers the spread by half a point, baby. So <laughs> At least you don't have Nebraska winning, or else I would really have to call your homer card out on this one. But uh... No, it's – but I think it's going to be – I think they're going to be within like a couple scores at halftime. I really do. I think it's going to be is Michigan their red zone offense somewhat shr- like basically when they get inside the ten they do nothing but run the ball, which is fine and most of the time it works. But you know they are a little unimaginative and Blake Corum's getting a lot of carries, so I feel like you know Donovan Edwards is a name that Nebraska fans need to know. Everybody's talking about Blake Corum. But Donovan Edwards is the guy that I think is going to light the Huskers up, not only as a runner, but he's a he's a running back that plays wide receiver. And frankly, like he would probably be Nebraska's best receiver outside of Trey Palmer. Like he he could line up wide and you don't even know it. Yeah, and so I think he's going to have like 150 total yards and probably a couple touchdowns. And who are you act- rooting for on Saturday, Mr. Michigan fan? Sorry to interrupt your analysis. Oh, I just root for I cheer for both of them when they play each other. Uh-huh. I just kind of see how it goes and no, so, I mean, no it, neutral parties here at the greatcornholio.org. You can find all sorts of Nebraska coverage. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if there will be positive Nebraska coverage because, quite honestly, I'm kind of apathetic towards the the rest of this season. I just think they need a reset. I mean, I hope they win. I mean, maybe, maybe they'll make a bowl game. I don't know. If they win um, this game, I'll go, I'm going to say this though: if they somehow pull like the miracle of miracles, like the and and beat Michigan, this team's going to a bowl game. They'll win the last they'll win three in a row. If they win this one, they'll win three in a row. But the chances of that happening are like point zero 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 one. But I'm just saying, if this happens and they get this confidence, like I think that they could turn that into a winning streak. But probably I mean, not gonna it, happen. I mean it all depends on how many hissy fits Mark Whipple is gonna throw because if we end up keep keeping Purdy in there, then uh I I, uh, I don't have high hopes. I'll just say that. I don't want to dog on the guy too much because he's running for his life. Oh, man, that. Man, I'll talk on the line. It's uh, not going to be – it's going to be yeah. – he's going to be so scared, like literally. Like if he was running for his life against Minnesota, I mean, Michigan's got so many more dudes. Like just don't, just don't even do it. Don't even put him out there because he's not – he can't make re- – he can't read defenses. 
he he sees the pass rush like instantly yeah. and then he just runs around and then i mean if he can't scramble he can't do anything so like i just this isn't That's the game for, this notice. isn't the game for Cheba Purdy as soon as he sees a you know a little bit of a rush he just immediately goes out of the pocket and by that point you play it in the defense's hands so yep and smothers might be the same way too but at least Smothers, they can do some different things and try to because that's the thing is like Purdy, they want to come out here and throw, and it's like, dude, he can't throw, and you're just wasting downs by not giving the ball to Anthony Grant. And then on top of it, when he has incompletions or negative plays, then you're making it even easier for the defense to pin their ears back and rush. So it's just a whole it's a whole cascade of things with Purdy. I just feel like their only hope in this game is to literally throw the ball in Nebraska like 15 times. You need to throw the ball as little as possible. You need to you need to run smothers. You need to run the read option. You need to make the clock tick down to like one second every time you have the ball before you snap it. That's what they like should have done all year. I know. I don't get. If I was Mickey Joseph, I'd be like, "Hey, Mark, I know our goal this week is to score points, but I also want us to run fewer than 60 plays. I want 120 plays or less in this entire game combined." Like, I want to run more plays than Michigan, and I want to run more clock than Michigan. I don't care about this. You know, like, that. that's one thing I would say, because if you can do that, if Nebraska can somehow, you know, just, just keep their pass attempts down and keep in the same play range as Michigan, time of possession, just keep it close and get into the fourth quarter, and then who knows? We'll score on the first two drives, and then that's when Michigan will score 28 straight because we can't figure out how to throw the ball, and that's what's going to happen. And I'm going to be sad again and rinse and repeat. Yeah, those. I think Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska will score in the first quarter. Maybe score a couple times in the first half, and then the second half will be like twenty-eight to three or something. You know, it's it's going to be close until halftime. Michigan will play to think to make Nebraska think they have a chance, and then they'll assert their dominance in the second half when the defense is exhausted after being out there for two hundred plays. And that's that's exactly what happened against Minnesota. I wish we didn't hurt Tanner Morgan because it may have been a different game. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think so, too. But, you know, if, if Smothers plays, I feel like there's a decent chance that if he starts and plays most of the game, there's a decent chance Nebraska could cover the spread. I think they're going to play uh, inspired. I mean, I know that uh, this program has become a bit of a joke, but I know that these Caleb Tanner and some of these guys, they really want to get to a bowl game, and they know this is their last chance. So I do think that we're going to see a great effort from Nebraska, but it's just not going to be – enough so uh, yeah 42 or what i say 41 to 13 i think nebraska will get some red zone stops but basically we have the exact same prediction this week so which we'll is see. rare i mean it's very yeah. for everything right so it's uh probably an indication that we're both going to be totally wrong but we'll going to win like 23 to 20 after a stellar game by the defense or something crazy because here so even if nebraska beat i still think if michigan lost to nebraska i still think they could make the playoff because yeah. if if Michigan, because that's why all these rankings and all this like talk is just stupid. Because if Michigan doesn't beat Ohio State, there is no hope of them going to the playoff. And even if they if they lose one of these next two games, but beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten, they're going. Like it's simple as that. And I feel like you know people are just, you know they want to like rag on LSU or whatever. Like here's the thing, man. If LSU wins out, they're going to the playoff deal with it that's how if somebody beats georgia and alabama like they're going to the college and they're the sec champ like they're going so what a statement what a statement win by brian kelly and lsu because i personally thought brian kelly was a joke i still do but i mean especially after the beginning of the season but he's really turned things around and you know you know shout out to him and shout out to lsu i mean beating alabama is always going to win you some points down in baton rouge 
And the here's the here's my other thing though is that okay, Alabama is not out of the national title race either, and people need to get this through their heads. It would take LSU needs to lose like once or twice, but if Alabama somehow gets to the SEC championship game as a two-loss team and then beats Georgia, does anybody think that an eleven and two SEC champion Alabama that just beat the number one team wouldn't make the playoff? I don't. I know they would. I know for a fact that they would. College football playoff loves Alabama, so I think so I think they would be in there even if that happened. But Alabama's not out of it by any means. This is just a very tight race at the top. And but but their problem is they can't get there without winning the SEC. Right. So they need like ten and two Alabama. Like you, it, the conference championship is what's what matters, and really it's the win over Georgia. That's the thing. Is if you're the SEC champion and you've beaten Georgia, I think that that's how we'll see two SEC teams make it. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think that uh, Georgia will win out. They'll beat. I think LSU will. I think they only have to win one of their last two games to uh, make the SEC title game. So it'll be Georgia and LSU and LSU will lose. And it's, I just don't think the playoff is, it's really that complicated, really, you know, people, but the committee is stupid. I mean, the fact that like one of the dumbest rankings is like USC's number eight and UCLA's number 12. Well, UCLA beat Utah, the team that USC lost to, and they've also beaten Washington. So UCLA has two wins over top 22 teams, and USC has none, but USC's ranked number eight. Now explain that to me, you know. <laughs> Money. If they get LSU or uh, USC somewhere in the playoffs and, you know, they got all the big programs in, more people will watch, more money. That's that's why I just I want to see a 12 team playoff and uh, I want to have six conf- the top six conference champions guaranteed to get in because we've got to we've got to start deciding this on the field and said it's still decided too much by you know these selection committee people. Would the really, BCS would have been better? Would it have been better? The BCS wasn't better. No, the BCS was way worse. It was way worse. And I, I'm a Nebraska fan, but there's no way Nebraska should have played Miami in the 2001 championship game. You get beat 62 to 36. You don't win your conference championship, and uh, the team that beats you ends up as the number three team. With even though they're just because they're 11 and two, it was stupid. Colorado should have played Miami or Oregon or somebody. You know, so I mean, Nebraska mm. backed its way into the championship game that way. And I just don't the thing about it is, you know, if you add more teams to the playoff, like 12, you're going to you're going to add to the regular season excitement. And I guarantee you we're going to see a bunch of different, you know, teams making it into the top four. Now, it might be Georgia winning it always again or whoever, you know, the, the final result might not be different. But the teams that we see in there, I think, will be especially, you know, I think the first two rounds should be played on campus. Get to the That'd semifinal. That would yeah. be a lot of fun. And and that that gives you some incentive, you know, and that, that gives you a lot of reason to still want to be a top four team or a top eight team or whatever. So I think it would be exciting. I hope we see it. But it gives the fans a lot to be excited about, too, because, you know, like the past couple of years, it's just been Team X and Alabama. And it's like, OK, well, who's going to win here? I wonder. Like, and But now 12 team playoff would at least give the fans of other schools some excitement and it would allow the college football playoff to do what its main purpose was, except for the fact that, you know, these SEC teams are just too damn good. It would give, yeah, it'll give hope to people like us. Nebraska someday can make a 12 team playoff. So I'll probably be worm food in the ground by the time that happens, (laughs) but we'll see. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. 
Hopefully not. Well, we went off on a bit of a tangent here, folks. So we went a little bit longer, but we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. We'll be back on uh, Monday morning. We'll have some uh, reactions to uh, what happens between Michigan and Nebraska. If anything else happens in terms of the coaching search in the next few days, we'll pop up with some content. But uh, make sure that so you don't miss anything. Uh, you know, like our uh, like our videos here. Make sure that you're getting into the comments section and subscribe to our channel, um, the Husker Big Red YouTube channel, and then uh, check. Yep. No Miles Farmer, big loss. Yeah, that'll be a big loss, yeah. But uh, we'll see. Michigan doesn't throw it that much. I don't think it will hurt us that much. That's another one of our better defensive players, though. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, so, And also, um, you know, check out HuskerBigRed.com for all your Nebraska content and the greatcornholio.org. So just a reminder, I've got Nebraska 41-13 losing. Danny's got Nebraska losing 42-13. to So hopefully we're terribly wrong and the Huskers pull a, a miracle of miracle upsets. And uh, we'll be here to talk about it on Monday. So um, whatever happens the next few days, go Big Red. Go Big Red. Always.